Look, I thought we'd nailed it. I thought we had the walk-on song, the music happening. I, that's I, not it. I, that's that's. Nah, I got James back here. I'm in support of that. <laughs> Keep it on for next week. What, you like it? <laughs> yeah, mate. No, yeah. that's not it. That's Mitch not was sampling around the room. Yeah, just I make, can jam to that. Just make sure you settle down and, and look. I'm it's never all come down. We'll give it another shot. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. But uh, hello and welcome to the Cars Guide podcast, where we tear down, pressure test and rebuild the issues of the automotive week. I'm James, and this week I'm joined by Richard. Good morning. And a key member of our editorial team, Mitch. Howdy. This week we asked the question, what is the Takata airbag recall thing? Will it ever end? Um, We'll investigate that. We also look at uh, the fact that Jaguar Land Rover has created a concept store in the middle of a shopping centre. What's all that about? Uh, we'll also um, have a dig around the fact that SUVs are going to outsell what we would refer to as normal cars this year, should you be buying one. And a certain brand in Italy has confirmed that they're going to build one against the odds. So <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, we'll also have a little preview of the Tokyo Motor Show, which is coming up next week, and then other bits and pieces um, if we can. So let's let's kick it off. Uh, Takata, it's a word that's become... Uh, synonymous with uh, what is looking like the biggest product recall in history. Hmm. Uh, we're up to uh, an estimate between 65 and 75 million airbags. The Australian federal government is on the edge of uh, instigating a compulsory recall. Uh, submissions closed on, on Monday this week. 19 car brands are involved. And Jaguar Land Rover has made a preemptive strike um, and is going to recall 17,000 of its vehicles to try and get ahead of the curve. This is just an amazing, emerging, ever-growing, never-stopping story. Mm. Um, Richard, what do you make of it all? Oh, look, to cut, just, just to bring everybody up to date on this, because it's been running for so long that it's, it's easy to get confused. Um, it's like a Middle East crisis. Um, Takata is the, well, was the second largest safety equipment uh, manufacturer in the world. Now, now bankrupt. Now bankrupt. They yep. don't just make, well, they didn't just make seat, um, airbags. They made seat belts and other safety components too. Um, the issue, as I understand, is not Takata itself, but the, the people who are doing their logistics for them and their, their fulfillment, their supply and their packing. Yeah. Um, no inventory numbers apparently were taken, and so they don't know which airbags are faulty and which are not, which, is, which leads to the manufacturers recalling everything. Everything. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the nub of it is that it's the inflator housing That's in right. the airbag. It has an ammonium nitrate as a propellant, Mm. and it was used without a chemical drying agent, Mm. which means it can actually um, bring undone the metal that's in the inflator housing. So when the airbag actually goes off, uh, occupants of the car are sprayed with metal shrapnel. It's like being shot by a shotgun. Yeah, that's Um, right. So they can actually, the irony is they can be killed by the airbag. That's right. Like what's what's happening is they believe that in especially humid areas, humid areas, um, it's causing the the agents to become more volatile. Yep. So if they do go off in an accident, they'll go off with too much explosive force or they'll just go off unwarranted yes and as you said the metal framing that uh, houses the airbag becomes projectile it does and we and sadly that has led to 11 deaths including one person in australia and hundreds of injuries um, around the world so it is just an absolute nightmare It, it apparently it became first known that there was an issue around 2004 and recalls started to kick off in about 2008. So we're on the edge of 10 years worth of kind of Takata misery uh, for everybody involved. And it, look, if, if you want to check out whether your car is actually impacted, go to the ACCC website. They have a specific page which lists the models, 
the build dates, everything that's known. But you're talking everything from BMW, Chrysler, all the FCM brands, um, including Ferrari, um, you know, Ford, Honda, Lexus, Mazda, Nissan, Subaru, Toyota, and trucks, big trucks, mm. Volvo and Hino trucks. It just goes on and on. It is seemingly never ending. It, Mitch, Mitch, what yeah. do you what do you make of it? Well, I'm I'm just going to suggest there's an there's an easy fix around this. What? Just get rid of airbags. We don't need them. Airbags. You're safer <laughs> yeah. without them. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Seatbelts. Yes. That's all you need. Oh, yeah. Well, look. Pardon the pun. That yeah. literally <laughs> flies in the face of uh, <laughs> conventional conventional wisdom. I don't think we can go there. Uh, it's an interesting yeah. idea. <clears throat> Um, we'd love to hear from you, uh, our listeners, if you've had a car that's been recalled, if, if you're concerned about the car that you're driving. Is it subject to a recall but you haven't taken it back to the dealer yet? You better shortly because the federal government's after you um, and the various automotive brands involved. It's, it's a big one. But that's it. We're, we're on the cusp of a decade of the Takata recall. It's huge. It's huge. Absolutely huge. And look, I, just to share a bit of insight into this, I went to the, the CRV, the Honda CRV launch recently, and they opened with the new CRV does not have Takata airbags. Wow. So you'll, like, yeah. you'll see, I mean, any new car that's produced now is very unlikely to be. That's going to be the highlight airbags. of the cars now. Yes, yes. Yeah. we not don't have a Takata airbag. airbag. Yeah. And if Mitch was designing it, there wouldn't be an airbag at yeah. all. Yeah, you're safer with my cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, okay, we'll leave it there. We'd love to hear. Um, where you're at with that one, um, our listeners, uh, is the car you're driving involved? Um, are you unsure? What do you make of it all? Just get in touch. We'd love to hear your point of view. And speaking of JLR with their preemptive airbag uh, recall move, they've also got a bit ahead of the curve and created what they're calling a concept store in the middle of a shopping centre. It happens to be in Bondi Junction in Sydney. Now, that begs the question, what is all that about? Because various ones have done it before. No. Tesla sells its vehicles no. via shop fronts in retail no. kind of precincts. I've seen some Infinity ones back up in yep. Queensland, in Brisbane. Yeah. There's been a few Affinity ones. Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. So what, what do you make of that, Mitch? Do you think it's uh, is it is it a car dealership by stealth <laughs> or is it actually a no-pressure environment where people can look at a car without that kind of eyes on them, pressure to, to buy? I think it's regardless there's going to be pressure when you walk through those doors like yeah they they're salesmen they're the same as if you're going to a dealership yeah um they're going to be just like oh yeah so you know what what are you what are you in to buy like now jlr would leap all over you with that one as i'm about to in that they (laughs) would say these people they're not salespeople they're geniuses They, that's that's probably what their business card says. <laughs> like Wiley Coyote. Wiley Coyote. Genius. Genius. And they are purely uh, funnels for information about the vehicle. So yeah. they're not going to co- try and close you. They're not going to try and get you to buy that car. That said, there are vehicles there for immediate test drive <laughs> if you should want one. Yeah. Um, and you can book in for that. So is it a slippery slope towards a conventional showroom, Richard? I mean, you've just you've just come out of Woolies or Coles and you, maybe you've, you've, you've stopped by the, you know, insanity to look at a couple of CDs and DVDs. And are you going to buy... You're going to buy a car? A, yeah, an, an impulse purchase, a, a, like, a, like the lollies at the end of the F-type? checkout queue. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that. No, no. That I don't need amazing. a bag. I don't need a bag. Like, <laughs> you, right. Take it. Go. I'll take it as I'll it is. Take yep. it. And, but can you, can you buy one? Can you walk in and go, I'll take it? 
Look, that's a great question. Can we better get there and, and uh, <laughs> check it out. Yeah. We, we have been there. Look, I presume that if you want to hand over some uh, cold hard and, and acquire mm. a car, you probably mm. can. Mm. But I think you would be directed towards the, the nearest dealership yeah. to, to yeah. finish off the you know, negotiation and the yeah. purchase. Um, oh, so this is almost like a viewing gallery where your genius will yeah. answer all of the questions you might have. So they're essentially just adding another step to buying a car. Maybe. Yeah. Well, look, and they would argue, I, I presume, that it's a, a less pressurised step. So right. it's taking ah, yes. some of that, you know, yes. it should be a really exciting experience to buy a new car. What's not no. to like? That's but a lot right. of people, despite the extra information that they might be able to acquire online, when they actually take that step into the threshold of a dealership, you can feel a bit like a, you know, a, a rabbit in the headlights. And as well, going to a dealership is a conscious decision. You know what I mean? No one yes. goes to a dealership accidentally. That's true. But you're already at a supermarket or a yeah, shopping centre. Yeah. Whereas when you come home, oh, I'm sorry, honey. I, <laughs> I, I bought an F-Type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, look, I know it's probably going to stretch the weekly grocery budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, look at it. It's beautiful. <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting one. It has been done before, taking that kind of um, traditional kind of stereotyped dealership environment out of the picture. Um, interesting. And, and that it's a premium kind of set of brands as well. Yeah. Maybe that's part of yeah. it. Would they have would, – would, I mean, Jaguars at Bondi, yeah. would they try a different area or, or is that targeted? Because I don't know. Maybe bond, bond bond I don't know. Up. You're on a skiing holiday and you're down there, and there's a display of four-wheel drives or something like something that. Something like just that in unexpected yeah. places. Yeah, could be. Um, it's just expensive because you've got to. This is uh, what is it? Two hundred and ninety square meters in the Westfield mm. in Bondi Junction, which is a pretty primo uh, retail space. It's not going to be cheap. How big's that? I, when when people say square meters, I I, might, I instantly it's, think I don't know how big that is. It's one What's square meter more table? than two hundred eighty nine <laughs> square meters. <laughs> well, Just think about. of a big box. Big box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Right, I, okay. L- looking at the pictures. Mm. It looked to me the size of an average clothes shop, you know, just, okay. I don't know, half a tennis court? Yeah. Maybe more? I know tennis courts. So they'd yeah. probably fit, what, like maybe two cars in there and that's yeah. about it? I yeah. think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. If, it's, uh, if it's Jaguar Land Rover, it's probably one of each brand yeah. and you just come in and discuss the no. whole thing. Anyway, look, listeners, are they mental or are they, you know, onto something? Uh, let us know what you think, whether or not you'd be into the impulse purchase of an expensive European luxury car. Um, we, we probably think not, but uh, anyway. Uh, which leads us to other premium luxury cars and the fact, although it's not 100% confirmed yet, but with only a quarter of the year to go, it looks like SUVs are going to outsell conventional hatches and sedans and other vehicles for the first time on record. Compounded by, this is a fact, that according to Bloomberg, Sergio Marchionne, who uh, heads up the whole FCA um, organisation, including Ferrari, has confirmed at the New York Stock Exchange that a Ferrari SUV is in fact happening, despite his protestations to the contrary in the past. So, OMG, WTF, LOL, what, what is know, all that about? I know. Is, is SUV the new normal? So, so year to date to September... Um, even though we're in October now, they don't have the numbers for, for October yet. Um, 347,598 SUVs have been sold, so 347. 339,939, that's a weird number, uh, 339 
cars have been sold. Richard's not very good at add-ups. Not good. Uh, or square meters. That's why he's a journalist, not an accountant. But that's, that's, according to my maths, that's almost 10,000 more SUVs so far this year. So it looks like it's going to be the case. They're they're being overtaken. So we've always seen SUVs as this emerging kind of group, but Mm. it is the new mainstream. Yeah. That's the Mm. mainstream choice, and you're a bit oddball if you're going to go for a, a sedan or a hatch or something else, yeah? It's weird. I mean, when when they discover our remains <clears throat> in ten thousand years' time, the the space archaeologists are going to wonder why did they like SUVs? Were their roads so bad <laughs> that <laughs> they needed these higher up cars? Where do you think your remains are going to be? Probably in, in my, you know, in will you be in a car? In the kitchen. So you'll be dug up in a car. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> That'd be nice. I hope it's my car, nineteen fifty one Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then, of all things, I mean, people were turning up their noses and spinning around in circles and whatever else when Porsche mm. built uh, mm. the Cayenne. Yeah. Um, and it ended up funding mm. all kinds of wonderful cars like yeah. GT2 RSs and, and mm. uh, 911s mm. and all that kind of stuff. Is that potentially the case with Ferrari? They're saying they don't want to expand the reach of their current models. They'd like to grow by introducing other model streams, yeah. and this is one of them. So is, that, is that valid? Only a couple of years ago, I remember writing a story on this. Ferrari swore they would never make an SUV. How times have changed. They have yeah. money. It's money. Yeah. They need. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's that's that's it. So that, mm. but that money will presumably go into some, um, you know, appropriate pockets within within the group. Yeah. But it may also be reinvested in even more exciting yeah. Ferrari cars. Yeah, you possibly. know, maybe making sports cars from that brand mm. more accessible. It could be a great thing. Well, I mean, we just drove uh, Range Rover Velar yesterday, and I've got to say, it's beautiful. But and I and I came out and said, I think it's the most beautiful SUV on the planet. I think a Ferrari SUV could be more beautiful. Absolutely stunning. It'll probably sell like crazy. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt about. Well, that. Who would be able to afford it? Oh, there's people out there. Like, who can afford like the Lamborghini? Um, yeah, about SUV. A, look about a half a dozen people. Yeah, not my people. Maybe maybe a dozen at best. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, look, that's wild. But anyway, the the, the, the sands are shifting quickly under our feet, and that's just another. Yeah, that's why you need an SUV. That's moving through. Mm. Um, talking of all things market changes what's coming in the future next week we've got the tokyo motor show now the hmm. the tokyo motor show went away for a little while it, it lost a little bit of its luster the i think the gfc and various other things knocked the edge hmm. off that but it's coming back with a vengeance and uh it kicks off next week and this time around the theme is beyond the motor and again i'm asking the question what is all that about the blurb the blurb Part of it says, the Tokyo Motor Show will look beyond motor vehicles themselves and transform itself into an event where cutting-edge knowledge comes together, giving rise to wholly new opportunities for innovation and business, where the mobility sector can discover its next directions in the context of our rapidly changing world. It's time to shift to high gear and set out on a borderless journey to redefine the very meaning of automobile. Gotta love PR. Yeah. So... I, I, uh-huh. I want to lay it down now. We're going to be at the Tokyo Motor Show next week, which is fantastic. And I'm going to lay odds that, you know what? There'll be a lot of cars there. <laughs> There's going to be cars there. So they're calling it the Beyond the Motor. Beyond the Motor. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. They've lost it. I think they probably have. I don't, I don't know but who wrote that copy. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're just on the edge. I think they're... they're so, I mean... What, they, what, it's going to be turned into a, like a home and an electronic show or something like that? I reckon oh. there's a good chance you'll see Mitsubishi. They're going to show off their refrigerators. 
the latest yes. refrigerator Samsung. technology. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they will have a car. Yeah. Toasters. Yeah. New toasters. New toasters. Dyson uh, might be there. Motor vehicles, be there. you know, beyond motor vehicles. Mm. Um, mm. It's cutting edge mm. knowledge. There's going to be cutting lots of cutting it's edge knowledge. It's absolute rubbish. It's yeah. absolute rubbish. I'm They're just saying every to, other year. I'm just going to go to the shops, grab some milk and bread <laughs> in my cutting edge knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. That is PR gone mad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the car industry has been the same. Yeah. For, cars have been the same for the last 100 years. Yep. They are not going to change terribly much in the next 100 either. Well, I'll put my money on it. Let's 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 leave it there and then we'll report back. So I won't be around next week. I'll be looking at some cutting edge knowledge and then we'll see what actually transpired. Which then brings us on to mobility of the very rapid kind. And not that long ago, uh, Bugatti was blowing its own trumpet about having gone from zero to 400 kilometres an hour back to zero again in 42 seconds. And they created a special version of the Chiron. That was the vehicle that, that performed that feat. Amazing. Beautiful car, actually. It looks far better in the middle than um, all the carbon no, no. Um, than it does in photographs. Absolutely beautiful. And so in a game of one-ups, one-upmanship, uh, Koenigsegg has come out and gone just over 36 seconds for no. the same uh, trial, zero to 400 to zero just locking, uh, knocking a lazy six seconds off that time. So Mitch has posed the question, you know, where do these people think that their cars are actually too fast? When is fast enough? Yeah. Enough. Mitch, take us through it. Uh, so I think when we're not at the stage yet where manufacturers are going to sit back and go, hmm, maybe, maybe this is a bit too fast. Maybe, maybe yeah. we're a bit out of our reach here. Yeah. Um, because I remember like back when the Veyron first came out, 2005, I remember people were just like, oh, this is the pinnacle. Enough. Yeah, this is the pinnacle. It's never going to Was, was it the head of the US Patents Office at the turn of the last century that said mm. everything that can be invented has been invented and just said, yeah. right, that's it. You know, we've reached peak we're yeah. invention. We're this closing. is as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like you, I've heard people forever saying, yeah. you know, cars can't, this is the fastest yeah. car we'll ever see. Mm. And I just think it's the big swinging whatever syndrome yeah. in that yeah. there is this competitive element that yeah. means despite well, the fact that two yeah. people will buy one of these cars it's mm. about just you know mm. yeah. puffing mm. out your chest yeah. and, and pounding yeah. on it yeah because after when the first Veyron came out you didn't, it kind of like kick-started a top speed and zero to 100 time war with like Koenigsegg Hennessy SSC was even involved in it and yeah. it just hasn't stopped and no. it doesn't look like it's going to be stopping anytime soon yeah so it, it's a massive PR campaign and the audience for that PR campaign is actually really tiny <laughs> yeah it's just two guys <laughs> yeah it's two guys it's a bit like when you you buy you read an in-flight uh, airline magazine mm. and there's an ad for Boeing yes. selling yeah. ju- jets yes. you go well, wow I, I, they missed the target there on that media <laughs> buy I'm not really in the market for jets but they're using that mm. as I don't know bait mm. for people who are in procurement or yeah. who are share traders who, yeah. who want to buy Boeing stock mm. it's a small segment but sometimes you get hit by it and we're hit by this collateral kind of campaign that's ultimately pitched at a few insanely, obscenely wealthy people. Do we get? I mean, do we get a little bit of excitement out of um, not aspiring, but also talking about it? Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it unatta- it's bars, unattainable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder why we do that. That's it's, it's a very strange <laughs> it, it, human characteristic. It, well, it was Juan Pablo Montoya who drove the Bugatti up to that speed and back mm. again. Mitch, do you know who was behind the wheel of the Koenigsegg? I don't think it was yeah. made plain. Yeah, it? no, it wasn't. They anyway, didn't. they can bragging rights. They're faster than Juan Pablo Montoya. Yeah. But, uh, mm. you yeah, know, that's something. 
anyway, what do you think, listeners? Do you reckon this is all just a waste of time? Is it a bit of fun that we can all enjoy? Is it a valid way? Or is it irresponsible mm-hmm. and, and kind of completely lunatic behaviour? No, it's not irresponsible. It's fun. It's brilliant. It's, it's fun. fun. Just a bit of fun. It's just a bit of fun. Yeah. They're just doing it for a laugh. Mate. Human beings have always reached for the stars or reached for a higher speed. It's how instincts, the whole reason why we've evolved to be the best of the animals. Um, well, maybe you know. Koenigsegg should have their showroom in Westfield Bondo. <laughs> <laughs> We're the best just, of the animals. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the way to sell it. Honey, I'm going to the shops and I'll be back in 36 <laughs> seconds. I'm going to go there at 400 <laughs> kilometres an hour. And Faster I'll be back at zero in just over mm. half a minute. Mm. Yeah? yeah. Well, look, speaking of um, speed and what some people consider to be an inappropriate speed, um, a recent trip uh, to Europe and specifically Germany reminded me that our 110 kilometre an hour limit, particularly on some of our dual carriageways that are beautifully designed and very well maintained, uh, seems to be a little bit under, under the odds these days, that most people on the German Autobahn, even on the unlimited sections, mm. seem to gravitate to a speed of about 120. Um, and some will go up to 130, but there's a large volume of cars. And I would argue that our roads and the cars that we're driving are well capable of going at that speed in, in complete, well, not complete, you can yeah. never say that, but in safety. And it puts me in mind of the story that Wheels Magazine uh, put together a few years ago. I think it was 2013. Um, And uh, a British journalist, Ben Oliver, came out and drove from Melbourne to Sydney, appropriately in a Volvo, and went (laughs) all the way, wherever he could, at a 110 zone, he went 130. Mm. And lo and behold, nobody died. And he didn't even get booked, funnily enough. Yeah, which, I was surprised. Didn't which get the, pulled over at all. The police were absolutely they livid were about furious. They were checking speed cameras and going back mm. through you know, their data to try and catch him out. But I don't know about you, but driving on those dual carriageways, I think 110's a bit silly. What do you make of it, Richard? Look, I was at wheels um, on staff at the time, and he, look, he did slow down for the speed cameras, so it wasn't, wasn't 130 the entire way. Um, but... Where where he wasn't going to get booked at the speed cameras, it was 130. So for you know 99 percent of the journey, um, he was travelling 130. And as you said, nothing happened. Nothing happened. The Hume Highway is a well built road. Um, it could handle, I'm sure, speeds in excess of 130 easily. Yes. Um, and he he went out to prove that you could do it. Uh, we actually, I was in, I was the news editor at the time, and we had former police uh, approach us afterwards and and talk about how they did not. Sp- did not at all believe, and they could, from their own experience, believe that speed was, um, you know, the only factor in in, in road fatalities and accidents. Well, I mean, Mitch, we've we've had um, a psychology kind of applied to us where speed kills. Yeah. And and if you're one kilometre an hour over 110, you're at lethal speed. Yeah. And another another regular wheels correspondent, Michael Stahl, wrote a great story mm. a few years ago where he said. We've got all these speeding fines, mm. meaning people are in fact speeding. Mm. Where are the uh, parallel number of deaths? Yeah. You know, what, no. Where is the carnage that should ensue from these people speeding? It's uh, not there. No, no, so no. So it's not really about the speed. It's about education, driver it, education, yeah. which is a whole other thing Abs- that we can get to at another yeah. time. Yeah. But I think despite those... What do you think, Mitch? 130? Is it a fair enough speed? I'm, I'm in complete agreement because back from where I came from, half the people never paid attention to the 110 <laughs> living on the highway. Where did you come from, Mitch? Queen, Queensland, another, Gold Coast. Another yeah. realm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another dimension. Yeah. It's a moon off Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> off the shoulder of Orion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, you can. Yeah. Well, it's, the, the, it's interesting in the in the Northern yeah. Territory where there's been this flipping and flopping between having unlimited sections on the I think it's the Sturt Highway mm. that goes up the centre of the territory, 
um, that the locals just no. c- do the speed they always do yep. anyway. Yeah. It doesn't make any difference. Mm. They don't they don't really care. And yeah. uh, the uh, I think you could talk statistics and, and maybe try and cook the books that way. But I believe that when the speed limit was most recently reintroduced, the statistics went south in terms of yeah, right. uh, more more crashes and yeah. and sadly fatalities. There's a, there's a there's a theory that um, the lower the speed, so 110 kilometres on the on the Hume Highway for eight hours, is going to make drivers drowsy, less alert. Um, if they're travelling a bit faster, they'll be more yeah. alert and a little bit more on the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you could then at 1:30, you could have a bit of a differential between cars. Maybe you keep heavy vehicles mm-hmm. at 100. And then you have cars going 130, so you mm. avoid that clumping syndrome yeah. where you have large packs of cars mm. travelling at exactly the same speed yeah. and no opportunity to let the traffic flow. Yeah. And it's about driving to the conditions. If it's yeah. bucketing down cats and dogs on the Hume, you don't travel out of it. 80 might be acceptable. Well, precisely. You can't see. Precisely. Yeah. But I, I yeah. think there's also another score for it that says. You just open up the road, let people drive on it at any mm. speed they like, mm-hmm. and whatever the speed is that most people are, uh, actually sit at, yeah. set the limit at that that's speed. That's my dream and, reality. And that's why you look in Germany, most people sit at about 120 mm. to 130. And mm. I would argue that when you're on a good road, that seems to be with a modern car with all of its dynamics and safety aids um, is about right. Agreed. So it, right. from time to time that's it's been mooted, but you know, I think we'll get the lapel badges printed, we'll have some banners. <laughs> T-shirts. We'll get the sky riding the T-shirts and, and get up for that. Yeah. And we're probably not alone. But let's hear what you've got to, to say about it. Listeners, it'd be fantastic. Um, I think that's all the ground we're going we're gonna to try and mm. cover mm. Uh, today. Mm. Uh, we'll wrap it up. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Yeah, no worries. And thank you, our dear listeners, for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show or anything else that's on your mind. Just search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram. Use the hashtag at CG Podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Flick us an audio file. We'll try and get you on the show. That'd be brilliant. Remember to subscribe and please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. Hope you can join us next time. And until then, remember, if I had all the money I'd spend on cars, I'd spend it all on cars.